haven't met before and greet them, rectify that problem. Secondly, just uh, be prepared here. If you have a cell phone, turn it on. Yeah, that was weird, right? If you have a cell phone, turn it on. I'd like the sound to be down. I don't want to hear all the calls, but you will need your cell phone if you have one and you're able to text later in the service. Okay, there you go. Say hi to somebody. All right. Well done. Good work. You can find your seat again. Any old seat you want. And um, as we find our seats again, I do want to um, I do want to just say another Happy Father's Day to fathers out there. I just also want to recognize, um, like Mother's Day and other things that we celebrate, that it's not always a happy day. Um, uh, not everyone has the the best experience with their father. And I want to be, as a father, be real honest with you, not every father feels like they've really done all that they wanted to do as a father. It's, it's, it's hard out there <laughs> uh, for all of us. So I want to recognize that um, as we celebrate Father's Day, number one, honor your father. Just do it. Just do it. Just express your love and thanks to your father for, for whatever he may have given to you. Today isn't the day to think about what he didn't give. Today's the day to think about what he gave to you. Um, and if that's difficult, then uh, 1 John 3.1 is a helpful uh, tool there. Remember, we sang, actually we sang about it, how great the Father's love for us, that we would be called children of God. And so if you have difficulty loving your Father practically, go to your Father in heaven and ask him to download, all right? Just ask him to give the perfect love from heaven so you can express to your father in some way um, your, uh, your love and your appreciation. So if you're a dad, uh, I want you to kind of put your hands out like this, and we're going to pray for you. And I'm going to do it too on account of I am one. Okay. Father, thank you for the gift of fatherhood. You've shown us what it looks like, sacrifice, love, commitment, that unfailing love, that faithful covenant love. And now, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you'd release to the fathers in this room that uh, unfailing covenant love, even in a greater measure. Deepen our capacity as fathers to receive from you so that we can give to our children. And I ask, Lord, for encouragement today, encouragement for fathers in this room, that we would recognize what we've been given and be able to give it away. Thank you, Father God, that we are unable to thwart your plan in the lives of our children. And we trust you to use us to release them. So bless us, fathers, that we might be a blessing to the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, extra points for anyone who can say out loud first the name of the series we're in right now. Well, I want the Greek word, Mary Lou. <laughs> Yell it. Alelon. All right, we're going to say it together. Alelon. Okay, it's the Greek word for one another. It's used like a hundred times in the New Testament in 94 different verses. Uh, it just simply means one another. So when you see honor one another, love one another, the Greek word in the scripture, alelon. And uh, I don't say that just for fun, so now you know a Greek word, but I want it to stick in your brain. 
Because it's the primary command of Jesus in the scriptures. 94 times. Half of those times used is specifically about us as the body of Christ. Us, right here. You and me. Um, how we treat one another. It's so this is the instruction of how believers walk with one another. And like I said last week, it's hard to imagine, but God has set it up so that the extent to which we're able to communicate the love of Jesus to the world is dependent upon our ability to love one another, to be in unity, to honor one another, to care for one another. So we're spending the summer in talking about the one another's, the allélon of the of the scriptures, um, how we treat for one another, how we care for one another. Last week, uh, I talked about being one body, that we are one. And what makes us one is not that we all agree or that we all come to come to church dressed casually or that we raise our hands in worship or that we share a language or a culture. What makes us one is that we share the spiritual DNA of Jesus. The, the blood spiritually that runs through our veins is the blood of Jesus. And that's what makes us one. If you were to dissect us spiritually, you wouldn't see the unifying factor be anything about theology necessarily. It would be about our unity in the body of Christ as people who belong to Jesus. The blood of Jesus runs through our veins. And so we talked last week about being members of one another. We belong to one another. We're connected. No one can say um, that, uh, that someone else in the body of Christ, whatever disagreements you might have, is not part and parcel of them. We're connected. Um, and I think that one of the things I know, that one of the things the enemy of our souls loves to do is to work on division, division, division. Because why? He knows the power of unity. And what's more unifying than blood? And the fact that we are connected spiritually, our DNA in Jesus. Um, life in the kingdom on the, on the practical level, I mean, we're spiritual beings, I recognize that, but life in the kingdom on the practical level is all about people, right? It's, it's about people. I know that the earth will be renewed. I'm all for the earth. Yay for the earth. Jesus came to save people. We're, that's why we've started this farmstead project. That's why we together gave $100,000. That's why we're investing in discipleship. That's why we're um, taking a very vertical church. We don't want to go from being vertical, but, but just sort of making sure that we extend in the horizontal to reach the world because Jesus sent us to the world. He sent us to people. Discipleship is all about life on life, people with people. And that's why we want to see every single person in this church discipled in the next two years. Life-on-life relationships. And we're spending time and resources to to make things available. Uh, Programs, groups, and one-on-one discipleship opportunities so that we can be the people that love God and love others the way Jesus commanded us to. The primary command that Jesus gave us was love. So... You can't, as a, as a speaker, you can't get up and say, I'm going to give the consummate message on love, right? It just, you know, so I've got, I've got my sights set way low, all right? <laughs> this will not be the most amaz- amazing message you have ever heard on love. But fortunately, that's not on me. We, we worship the God of love. 
In Romans 5, it says that he's poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he's given us. So love is bubbling here. Jenny and I were with a group of people from the church last night, and I was kind of taking the opportunity as sort of a focus group. Like, you know, I talked to some people around the table like, hey, if you were me tomorrow and you had to address the church on the topic of love with what has happened in our country this last week, I'm specifically thinking of the massacre in Orlando, you know, what, what would you say? And it's, I got great responses. Um, the, the best response, I won't point him out because he'll be angry at me, though he's here. <laughs> you know, we were sitting across the table and he said, you know, what was the tragedy last Sunday morning, 2 a.m.? What was the tragedy? Was it deviant lifestyles? Was that the tragedy? Was it people drunken and carousing? Was that the tragedy? The tragedy was lives that mattered to God were lost. Love in human form was extinguished. And that, that really struck me. And so as we talk about love, it's, it's not all about loving people that are different than us today, but it's about expressing in a practical way the love of God to other brothers and sisters and to people who Jesus is inviting into the kingdom through our lives. I have no doubt that there were believers in that nightclub, you know, 168 hours ago. I don't have any doubt that there were people in there, the spirit of God in them, looking for whatever they're looking for, twisted, a little bit confused, brokenhearted. But, and I just think, you know, what, what is the reaction of the believing community to that? A friend of mine has a blog, and I don't read a lot of blogs, but I read this one. It was kind of all about Orlando. And he went into a long thing about, you know, what do we rush to when something like this happens? We tend to rush to blame. And all of a sudden, well, who's to blame? You know, it's gun owners, it's Democrats, it's Republicans, it's ISIS, it's, you know, LGBT community. And I think that blame is not the point here. Love is the point. And what we saw a week ago was a lack of love. And the best, most powerful Christian response to that tragedy or other tragedies in Orlando this last week or the tragedy of living in a world that's broken is real practical love. You have people in your family struggling with all sorts of issues. Love them. It's the most power, Dostoevsky, I don't know why he always pops into my head, because I've never read a book by him. <laughs> but I read this quote, you know, and it's a fun name to say. But he said that the most powerful force in the world is humble love. And, I, and, and when that comes into my mind, I just think that, you know, that's a picture of Jesus on the cross. Humble love. It's a perfect picture of the one that we love and serve and imitate and release into the world. It's all about love. I'm going to read from uh, 1 John 3. If you have a Bible, or now that you have your phone on, you can go to your, your Bible app on your phone. It's legal. Also, Bible's up here if you need them. And I'm going to read 1 John 3, 11 to 18. I have some of the verses up there, but warning, they're not all there. So don't read from the screen. You'll get confused. 1 John 3, 11 to 18. I'm going to read this. I'm going to take a few moments of silence after we read the scripture so we can sit under the scripture 
and let God speak to us. So um, this is from 1 John 3, 11 to 18. This is the word of the Lord. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Uh, it doesn't seem like this uh, Holy Spirit-inspired passage needs a lot of human exposition. And so I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to us. You would communicate to these hearts that you've created and you know. That you would open these minds and that you would release power into these hands to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Amen. So I said it doesn't need a lot of human exposition, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to say anything, right? Um, Three things I'll pull out of this verse, and then we're going to try to be real practical with love today. Um, What I see in this passage, especially verse 11, love is the primary command of Jesus. I mean, John is speaking as the beloved disciple, the loved one, and he's saying, you know, remember the command, remember This is the message you've heard from the very beginning. We should love one another. This was Jesus' command over and over and over again. There's never any question for the disciples. What, you know, what's really important? What's the top of Jesus' list? It's love. It's love. Sixteen times it's commanded in the New Testament. The love of God that begins with God and moves to others. It sums up all the other words of God. Matthew 22, 40. You know, Jesus says, this sums up all the law and the prophets. You want to know what the whole deal is? Jesus says, love God with all you have and love your brother as yourself. He he packaged it. For anyone who likes things simple and neat, there it is. Just do that for the rest of your life. And everything will be fine, right? um, I want to read someone's experience. This is from a guy named Bob Jones. Uh, Not Bob Jones, the college university guy. Bob Jones, the prophet guy. Um, He had a near-death experience. I I don't know all the details of it. It was back in the 70s. And I'm going to read this. Uh, I'm not reading scripture, but I'm giving truth. Um, And uh, Bob Jones was from the South and didn't always use correct grammar, etc., so... I'm reading it as it is. All of a sudden, I wasn't in pain anymore. 
And this man, the paraclete, stood by my side, the Holy Spirit, and we started walking. And as we walked, I saw a man who was white light. This is his death experience. All white light was around him, but he was the whitest of all white lights. And he had his hands out. As I came into that white light, there came a feeling over me like I'd never known before. And I asked the man, what is this? The man, the Holy Spirit, said, it's the love of God. I said, it's just so wonderful. It's so glorious. And he said, that's what it is. It's the glory of God. I said, how can it be both? It's in John 17. The love I had with the Father, the glory I had with the Father. So that was the greatest experience I've ever had. Just enveloped in his glorious love. That's possible down here. The glory of God is coming and it's going to be in his glorious love. I noticed another group of people on my left side and they had, a, they, were, they had like a conveyor belt underneath them. And they were wrapped up in all different kinds of things. And I looked at them and I asked this man, why are they wrapped up that way? And he, <clears throat> and he said, they're wrapped up in the earth with their gods. They were wrapped up in the earth with their gods. It's the gods they worshipped on earth that followed them into death. They were on their way to hell with their gods. I saw a man wrapped up in dollar bills. I saw a man wrapped up in sod or grass. His yard was his God. I saw a man that had no body. He was just one big head. He was an atheist. He worshipped himself. He was his own God and going to hell with it. I saw all manner of things who people worshipped on the earth. Who they are going to spend eternity with. Well, I worship the Lord and I'm going to spend eternity with him. But these others that don't are going to spend eternity in total darkness with their God. And their gods will be their tormentors, not a hundred thousand years, but eternity. So I looked at that line. It was horrible. And everyone, when they came there, they recognized him. Their eyes got big and everyone that is going to hell has had a witness in one way or another that there is a God. Romans chapter one. That's my own insertion there. And every one of them willingly denied him for each the phone. Thanks for turning it on. You're good. It's probably a prophetic word. For each two in the line that I was in, there were 99 in the other line. And I watched the Lord speak to people that were coming there. And he asked them only one question. Did you learn to love? He's not going to ask you what you did. If you learn to love, you're going to do that, which is right. Did you learn to love? He would ask them that question and they would say, yes, Lord. And he would kiss them right on the lips and embrace them. And the double doors of his heart would open and they would go right on in. Isn't that a beautiful image? Again, it's, it's not the scripture, it's, but it's an experience of a person created by the creator God who had this encounter between life here and life there that we don't understand. And it's just interesting with all of the emphasis on love in, in the Bible, Old Testament and New, that when he comes before the Lord, the question he encounters there is, did you learn to love? I can hear Jesus asking us that question. Not how big was your church? Not how much money did you give? Not what was your worship like? Not, not what, what did your outreach look like? Those are not bad things, but I can hear Jesus saying to us, Vineyard Community Church, did you learn to love? St. John on the cross, he said, at the end of life will be judged on love. 
We think as believers, no, judgment is gone, right? Law brings judgment. But Jesus said, I give you a new law. It's the law of love. It's a different kind of judgment than we think of. But our lives will be looked at in the light of love. We know that Jesus paid our sin, right? Our debt of sin is is paid. And there's no more debt of sin, right? That doesn't mean that there's no more debt. Uh, first John, uh, Romans thirteen eight, Paul says this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. You know, I'm, we're a grace church. We're all about grace. I love grace. Praise God for grace. That's why we're here. And that's what we walk in. But let's not forget that there is a debt that remains while we're on this earth. It's not a debt of sin. It's a debt of love. We owe one another love. Your spouse deserves from you love. Your loved one deserves from you love. Your coworkers deserve from you love. Your enemies, created by God with eternal spirit, deserve from you love. That's God's command to us. Love is the primary command of Jesus. Secondly, the scripture indicates that love reveals the life of Jesus in us. Verse 14, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. I don't, I don't, have to, I don't think I have to explain that. It's just, it is what it is. It's, it says what it says. How do people know that the life of Jesus, the spiritual DNA of Jesus, runs through our bodies? It's when we love. It's when we love. And so Paul says love covers a multitude of sins. That's the power of love. Um, Galatians 5, 6. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. Paul's talking to the Galatians about old religion and how does the old faith mix with the new and what's most important. And he says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. Galatians 5, 6. Right there. Right to the bottom line. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. And so Peter says, love covers a multitude of sins. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Now, that doesn't mean that you can go up to someone you're angry with, slap them in the face, and say, I meant that in love. Right? It's not, that's not the point. The point is that it's, it's love that brings the covering of sin. You know, as a, as a father, I can look back, and unfortunately I have a really good memory for all the things I did wrong. Right? I'm cursed with that. <laughs> I remember all the things I did wrong or the things I should have done that I didn't do. But what I know when I look in my kids' eyes is that I love them. That I love them. And I know that when I express my love to them and they feel the the love of the Heavenly Father going through this earthly father to them, that all of those things that I did wrong can be covered. I mean, my kids can and will and probably have and will continue to forgive me for what I've done wrong. Why? Because they know that deep in the bottom of it all is love. I love them.
And finally, from this passage, verse 18, love is an action verb. Love is an action verb. It's not enormous sacrifice. It's about great love. Loving in the small and consistent ways. 1 Corinthians 13, I won't read it, but I'll just say what I've said before. It's not just for weddings anymore, all right? 1 Corinthians 13 is, is love in action. It's real practical. What does it look like? What does it do? How is it expressed? Love takes action. I, I love what it says on the, on the building of the, the big vineyard in Cincinnati. It's a small community of about 6,000 people. And on the building it says, um, small things done in great love will change the world. I, I think it's truth for us today. We sometimes can get to thinking we've got to do the great and the grand. And we plan for the great and the grand. And praise God that he does the great and the grand through us. But the great and the grand so often is made up of the small and the consistent. The, 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 the everyday types of love. Maybe just listening. Maybe just listening. I read from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Life Together um, last week. I'll read from it probably most weeks because it's a powerful volume on the one another's of the Bible. He says this, The first service that one owes to others in the fellowship consists of listening to them. Just as love of God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for brothers, our brothers and sisters is learning to listen to them. Is go through your life, you know, let, wander through your own day or your last week and, and, and think of your conversations. And can you feel, can you remember how much people that were in front of you just longed to be listened to? Just listened to. Because it communicates love. It communicates care. It communicates concern. It communicates honor. Only you know, really, what love looks like for you. So I'm not going to try to some universal application, but I really do want uh, love to be made practical today. So this is what I want you to do. Um, take out your cell phone now. If you can text with it, if you don't have texting, good for you. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Lynn's going to play some music. We're going to worship. We also have... Um, 50 stamped cards up on the subwoofers up here. And here's what I want you to do in the next three to five minutes. I want you to ask the Lord to give you a person, someone to reach out to. You get to send a text in church, and it's legal, all right? You get to, you get to walk up and take a note card. It's a vineyard note card. It's already stamped, and all you have to do is just write on the card, you know, God brought me to your mind or whatever it is you want to write. But we're going to do it now because love is an action verb. It's about now. Average attendance at the vineyard in the last six months, 213 adults, 1,000 children, 213 adults. Imagine. Imagine if out of 213 adults, we made 100 phone calls. What if we talked to 50 people? What if 25 of them received some sort of positive encouragement? They, they were reminded that they were loved. What if 12 of those walked back into a fellowship of believers? Maybe not this one. It doesn't matter. But walked back into a community because they felt the love of God. 
What if six of them radically gave their lives back to Jesus? I was just going through this, and I I, I don't know. The Lord took me through, like, sort of having the numbers, and I didn't know where it ended. (laughs) And then I realized, what if one person gets a text or a phone call or a knock on the door or a visit or a note in the mail, and one person decides that life is worth living after all? Let's not be silly to think that there aren't people within our communities who are wondering whether life is even worth it. That's how deep the despair is. They might be sitting in the room today. And what I'm saying is love takes action. And so I want to take action now. So just ask the Lord, who is it? Who is it that used to sit next to me in church? Who is it that I used to work with? What family member? Who right now just needs to know from me, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you, and I care? I want you to just take the time now, send a text. Send three texts. What if one person gets a hundred texts? What if they do? It's a hundred packets of love into one person. So I'm just going to let Lynn uh, play for a while. We're going to take two, three, four minutes Come get a card or text someone. Write, uh, write down a prayer on your bulletin. We're just going to love very practically together right now. Cards are right here up on the, up on the speakers. Pens in the back of your seat. that's not stamped we've got uh, another 50 cards out in the lobby you can get one on your way if you're just going to give it to a neighbor or to to your dad today
This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. I'd like to ask the ministry team to come forward. If you're on the ministry team, come on forward. Jim, do you want to speak to us? And ministry team, if, as you're coming, if you've got any, uh, any sense of a specific word uh, of encouragement, a word of knowledge for some person or a specific thing we're praying for, I want to give you a moment. Uh, to In just a moment, I'll let you express that. I think that a major invitation this morning is for us sitting here to receive the love of God in a new and a powerful way. So if you're here this morning and you think, you know, I don't feel like I have it to give. I I just need an encounter with the love of God. Scripture says that perfect love drives out fear. And when we are consumed by, enraptured by perfect love, we become different people. We become love on fire in the world. So if you need that, I'm just going to ask you to come forward and have someone on the ministry team pray for you. Any specific uh, words from anyone on the ministry team? Anything you guys have? Pick me, pick me, I said. Um, I had the sense that uh, God wanted to break off of some people, uh, the monkey off of your back of uh, discouragement and despondency. And I felt like uh, the way that you will know that this has happened is that you're going to begin to hear the voice of a father who's easy to please. So I just want to declare that right now in Jesus' name, that that, that monkey, the power of that discouragement and despondency is broken. And I feel like he wants you to know you have a bright future. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that gets brighter and brighter until the full day. So we declare that over you, and we just declare a release of the Father's voice, the, the voice of a Father who is easy to please. In Jesus' name. Anybody else? This is similar, but um, as I look out at uh, you beautiful people, but I see some that feel like they've failed in love, um, but God says today is a new day um, to, to hope again, to open your heart to him, let him fill you with love and, and uh, step out and, and begin to love others in, in his name. Um, and just to kind of piggyback on that, for um, that one song that we sing um, that says you are good and that you're never going to let me down for some of us do really struggle with with really being able to sing that right now and believe that I, I believe that the um, that God 
wants to do a work in your heart to restore that ability to really believe that he is good and that he will never let us down. Um, this morning in worship, I just kept having this uh, repeating picture, and I just kept seeing the spiritual family like um, splashing in a big puddle, just like little, like we were little kids, just splashing over and over again. And um, I heard the Lord say that He said, First, I'm going to make you confident, and then I'm going to make you um, contagious. First, you will become confident, and then you will become contagious. And He um, just uh, shared a. Uh, 1 Corinthians, or no, 1 Thessalonians 3, 13 with me. And it says, and may the master pour on the love so it fills your lives and splashes over on everyone around you. May you be infused with strength and purity, filled with confidence in the presence of God our Father. I just feel like there's a confidence and love that he wants to release here this morning that in turn, it splashes on everyone, the lost, you know, your neighbor in the marketplace, everywhere around. Just, yeah. These are invitations from the Holy Spirit now. So if you want this, come forward now. I'm going forward for this right now, so I won't be talking to you anymore because I want some of this. So come forward if you'd like someone to pray for you for these things or anything. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord and to receive and give the love that God's given to you.